encourage us, strengthen us, direct us in the way that we should go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I was watching uh, TED Talks this week. Did you ever get like sucked into the TED Talk tunnel? And I came across one that was given by a young man, and it was on 365 days of thank you. He was telling his story, and he had been in a car with his friends. Somebody was driving the wrong way and had a very close, very near-miss bad car accident. And it shook something up in him. And he started um, thinking this idea that year at Thanksgiving, that Thanksgiving shouldn't just be something that was focused on once a year, but what if he did it every single day? So he made this goal for himself to say thank you to one person every day, no repeats, and it had to be specific. Like it had to be an intentional, specific thank you. So he started saying thank you to friends, teachers that he'd had, mentors, his dad, um, kids that he'd gone to school with that had maybe had an impact on his life. And as saying thank you became something he did every day, he realized the impact it was having, not just on himself, but the people he was saying thank you to. He realized that some of the people had maybe never heard a thank you like he was saying before. Or he realized the impact it had on his relationship with his dad and it created this openness and conversation and closeness between them. So saying thank you, he said, just became part of his life. When he would wake up in the morning, his 365th thank you was at his TED Talk, so it was very well done. But he said he would wake up and think about who was he going to say thank you today, and he would look for opportunities to say thank you. And he said what it did was it would change his focus and his perspective. Now, I found it interesting because it's easy to say thank you, right? It's, it's, it's easy words, speaks easy, but it's not something that we're necessarily all good at. Not something that we maybe have a language to do or that we spend time focusing on. You know, when you think about like your minds and how they work, our natural inclination is toward the negative. We think for hours about the person who was rude or the frustrating thing that happened, and we overlook the good and the joy of the sunshine and the people that we are with. We focus on the hard and we miss the good. We remember the money that was lost more than the money that was gained. They say you need to hear something like seven positive things to outweigh one negative thing that you've heard. So our mind trends towards the negative. When it wanders, right? We're not thinking about all the wonderful compliments we've been told over the years. We're thinking about the mean thing that somebody said, right? The power of gratitude is it shifts our focus. We see what we are looking for, and we can intentionally look for things that make us grateful. Instead of looking for things to confirm our cynicism, right? We look for the good and not the worst. The more I focus on the negative, the more negative I feel. The more I focus on how, have you ever just like gotten lost in the grouchy train? Like I'm grouchy and this makes me grouchy. Doesn't make me feel less grouchy. It makes me feel more grouchy. But instead, when our focus is shifted outwards, it takes the focus off of my emotions long enough to place them somewhere else. And it gives my heart and my mind the space it needs to just take a breath for a second and shift my perspective from only seeing the negative to seeing the good as well. Instead of looking for things to complain about, we can look for things to be grateful for. Instead of looking out and seeing how bad everything is, we can focus on what we have to be thankful for. And this attitude can become part of our relationship to God. 
it's interesting because in the Bible, the word thanks is used about a hundred times. And it shows up in things like give thanks in all circumstances or give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Praise and thanksgiving show up together. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. You uh, study the life of Jesus and he would give thanks and break bread. Or we're reminded, uh, thanks be to God who gives us victory through Jesus Christ. It's interesting, Colossians is a small little letter that Paul writes, but he talks about thanks five times. It's a big theme he wants to hit on. We learn the idea of praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. There's something powerful when we couple prayer and thanksgiving together. And so today we're going to look at the Psalms and look at prayers of gratitude that create a language for us to think about and focus on. This is what David says in Psalm chapter 9, starting right at the beginning. He says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. So David says, let's talk about saying thank you to God and remembering his wonderful deeds. Let's rejoice and praise in God together. But it's interesting, when you read this whole chapter of the Psalms, chapter 9, when this is taking place is so interesting. A lot of commentator, commentators say that this psalm is written in the midst of international strife. David is a king leading a country, and there are wars that they are fighting and problems they have to overcome and enemies coming at him from all sides. And later in the chapter, David will say, like, my God, my enemies are persecuting me. Have mercy on me. Lift me up. Judge the nations in your presence. Okay, but where does David start the psalm? He doesn't start with, hey, God, could you destroy my enemies for me because they're kind of terrible. But he starts with gratitude. Even in the midst of all of this trouble he's feeling and his country is feeling, he starts by saying thank you to God. And this is so, so important for us because having gratitude doesn't begin when life is easy. Because otherwise no one would be grateful, right? Life is never easy. It's messy and it's complicated. And there's always a new something to worry about or work through or problems or struggles or pain. And if we were to wait for every single problem to go away before we found a way to say thank you, it would just never happen. But instead, David shows us that in the middle of our problems, in the middle of all kinds of strife, we can create an attitude of thanksgiving. We can practice gratitude. We can pray right where we are. And I love the Psalms. Dane Ortland says this. says, the Psalms are unlike any other portion of Scripture. This is the one book of the Bible written to God. We're taught in many other places in scriptures how to pray. But the Psalms are themselves prayers. The Psalms give voice to our hearts. The wide range of human feeling is here given concrete expression. We're given language to address God with thanks and praise, but also with our feelings of desolation, despair, overwhelming guilt because of sin. I love this idea that Psalms gives us the language to address God. So if we use that thinking to go back to the Psalm that David gives us, what's the language that David gives us that we can use when we pray to God? There's three things, three big ideas. He says thankfulness, remembering, and praise. So let's start with thanksgiving. We can turn to God with thanksgiving, with hearts of thankfulness. 
And this stirs something in me of when's the last time I just said thank you to God? I know I have a lot to complain about. I complain to God a lot. Like, God, do you see what's going on? God, here's what I think that you should do. I tell him about my problems. I tell him about my frustrations. I tell him about my grouchiness and how I think he should work and fix things. But when do I just say to God, thank you? Thank you for this day. Thank you for this life. Thank you for right here, this moment, right now. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the breath in my lungs and the strength to just do this day. Thank you for the food in our house, the roof over our heads. Thank you that you are a God who is with us. When we think about it, there's so much that we can say thank you to God for. We can begin every single day saying thank you to God. We can end every single day saying thank you to God. Every day I can be on the lookout for what's one thing I can tell God thank you for right now. And this language of thankfulness, this language of gratitude becomes a beautiful expression in our relationship to God. And it does something so good in us and how we think of life and how we think about God. Conditions of life don't have to be perfect for me to be thankful. Instead, thankfulness can change how I think about the conditions of my life. And it begins not someday, but today, remembering, thinking about where we are right now, and just using the language of saying thank you to God. But David doesn't just leave it there like say thank you and move on. He layers in remembering the good deeds of God. Um, I told some of you this. My sister was at my mom and dad's house cleaning out, um, helping get stuff organized, and they came across a box of old VHS tapes. Remember the big video recorders that had, like, the microphone sticking out and the big VHS tapes? So they've been watching. They found a VHS player. I have no idea how. And they've been watching all these old videos of us growing up. And it's so funny, like, how memory works because like you think you remember what happens but actually you just remember and that becomes what happens and so we've been watching these videos and getting glimpses of the past and some of them are so cringy like oh that's embarrassing but others of them are so delightful they've just brought us so much joy we got sucked in my sister was watching it and we facetimed her and we literally i didn't even realize how late it was it was like 10 30 at night i'm like we have to go to bed because it sucks you in remembering the moments of delight and laughing and things i had totally forgot i just completely forgot them and wouldn't have remembered if we didn't have those videos to watch but what it reminds me is, one, we're really good at forgetting, aren't we? Like, life moves on, and the next thing happens, and the next phase happens, and sometimes that's a blessing of God. I don't have to remember what it was like when I was 15 all of the time. But other parts are those good moments that we just lost sight of because life moved on. And we do the same thing in our relationship with God. We've moved on and forgotten what God has done in our life. And moments of remembering, remembering prayers, allows us to go back and re-watch our life and think about God with thanksgiving, remembering what God has done over a lifetime. When we think about our life, even though we're here and we used to be here, right? Like we want to keep going, but sometimes I have to stop and think back. There were tough points in my life I wouldn't have got through if God didn't show up. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wouldn't be where I am today. 
but the day-to-day life overwhelms what I remember. And, And the struggles of today feel heavier and more urgent than the joys of yesterday, which means we all need time to remember God, to remember who he is and what he's done. Before we just jump to the next and the next and the next, we need to remember who God is and what he's done. I need to remember the times that I pleaded with God and he showed up and saw me through. I need to remember the times that I was desperate and God was there. How much time do we just spend remembering the steadfast love of the Lord? This overwhelms my heart. Think about this for a second. God thinks the best of us. That's the steadfast love of God. God thinking the best of us. He doesn't have any reason to. I prove him wrong all of the time. And yet, his steadfast love endures forever. It's constant. It's true. He's faithful and he's good. And my heart and my soul need time remembering the steadfast love of God. That he's gracious. That he saves us not because I'm so good, but because he is so good. That we're saved not by any of my good works, but by the incredible, gracious work of Jesus Christ. I'm loved because God is loving. I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm known, I'm valued because of who God is. And it's easy to forget that in the day-to-day, isn't it? It's easy to have the problems be loud or the next thing that we have to do or the busy schedule just impede on thinking about this is who God is. But remembering God in this way shapes my heart and it directs my mind for good. God loves me on my best of days and he loves me through my worst of days. There's nothing I can do that will make God love me less. But there's also nothing I can do that will make God love me more. His love is constant and steadfast. But also what I need to remember is that God's not going to change his mind about us. He's dependable. He he doesn't change. Think about this. I was listening to this idea this week. While we were enemies, Christ gave his life for us. Now that we're friends, why would we ever think he would turn on us today, right? While we were at our worst, Christ died for us. Why would he change his mind about us today? And then I loved this. You don't need to get past a security guard to get to Jesus, right? All the famous people in the world have all the big entourages and there's all the hoops you got to jump through and the steps you got to go through. Or have you ever tried to make an appointment with somebody who's like high up in the medical profession and there's calls and wait times, right? Christ isn't that way. He's accessible. He's available. In fact, he's waiting right now for us to turn to him. When I remember God this way, it does something in my heart that disrupts the normal day-to-day rhythm and helps me think about God in the right kind of way. The question is, what will I think about God this week? What will I remember of who God is? If you're like me and you forget easily, right? Write it down. Spend some time thinking back through your life. Go back 10 years, 15 years, five years, and just say, what did I see God do in these moments? Where did God show up? Where did God see me through? What can I remember in my life with God? And spend some time writing it down. I promise at the end of it, you won't be grouchy. You will be humbled and amazed at the goodness of God. 
David says we can give thanks to God. We can remember the good deeds of the Lord. We can tell other people. You know what you do when you remember something? You tell people about it, right? I've told way too many people, probably the same people multiple times about things because I was so excited when I remembered. The same thing happens about God. When I remember the goodness of God, I want to talk about it and tell other people. And then finally, he gives us the language of praise. He says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. We're going to talk about worshiping and prayer together another week. But this week, I want to focus on this idea of what does it look like to praise and rejoice God. We praise God for who he is. We rejoice in him. Think about this language for a second. When somebody praises you, they point out something they saw you do, right? They recognize you. They see your value and that you added something that was necessary. Like, hey, I see what you did there. It really made a difference. If you've been praised at work before, right? Like you worked really hard on this job and it shows. We couldn't have done it without you. At home, when somebody praises you at home, right? Like you worked really hard to provide for our family and we appreciate you. Or I see how much you're putting in to take care of the kids. Like, man, we're lucky to have you. When we praise our kids, what we're doing is saying, I see you, I notice you, I appreciate you. Now think about that language with God. How do we praise God? We recognize him, we see him, we rejoice and value and appreciate him. God, I see you. I recognize that every good thing in my life is from you. God, I am so dependent on you. Because of the work of your hands, we have this beautiful world. Because of your son, Jesus Christ, we have hope for the future. But see, praise and rejoicing is a practice. It's something that we have to create language for and put into practice in our life. And I love thinking about joy. Rejoicing is finding what you have joy in. And thinking about joy is a practice. I actually read it about a book as a spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines are the things that help you grow in your relationship to God so he's at work in you. And joy is a practice. They said this. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for human beings because joy is at the heart of God himself. Joy is God's basic character. Joy is his eternal destiny. And God's intent was that his creation would mirror his joy. This one strikes me every time I read it. He said, how often have people misunderstood God because they attributed him to the grim, judgmental, defensive, soul-wearying spirit of many who claim to be his followers? That's not who God is, right? But that's who people think God is when that's when they see in us. We are invited to rejoice in every moment of life because every moment of life is a gift. That's the practice of joy. The practice of joy changes what we do day to day because I just begin this day thinking this day is a gift. This life is a gift. I'm never more aware of how much more of a gift it is than when you realize like the fragility of life. Our friend, the incredible pastor, Timothy Keller, passed on to be with God on Friday. And I have been so thankful for this man of God who is taught with wisdom and I was in the middle of a series and my friend is gone. <laughs> and I'm so thankful for everything that I've learned for him. You're never more thankful for something than you're worried about losing it, right? Um, remember when the stores were empty and the food shelves were bare? Like, man, did I appreciate food a whole lot different when it was scarce. 
Have you ever had a terrible dream when something bad happens? Like in the dream, somebody dies and you wake up and you are like desperate to confirm like it was just a dream, it didn't happen, you need proof that it wasn't real. Doesn't matter how grouchy you were at them before. It doesn't matter how frustrated or what a burden or a hassle it was, right? You recognize how much you appreciate them because you worried about losing them. The circumstances didn't change, my heart did, right? Joy changes our heart. And we are thankful for things differently when we realize how much more valuable they are. I can complain about my family or I can be grateful for them, right? I, I can find reasons to be angry or I can look for reasons to rejoice. Both there. The only thing that's different is where are my eyes looking and what is my heart focusing on? See, we get lost in the illusion of joy that it will happen someday when conditions change. I'll be happy when, right? This changes or this happens or this person does the thing that I need them to do or I have more of this or less of that. When something outside of me, because everybody else is the problem, I'm not, when something outside of me fixes something, then I can finally be happy and find joy. But that's not how it works. Joy is a choice that we make right now today, regardless of our circumstances. You were made for joy because God is a God of joy. The problem isn't out there, and the solution is if I just dig deep inside of me, I can find the resources I need to fix the problem. The problem is in me. <laughs> Here's where the problem lies, how I see things, how I respond, how I do things, and the solution we need is outside of us. We find it in Jesus Christ. He's the one who changes how we see. He's the one who is at work in our perspective and creating gratitude and joy in our life. Christ is in us working for joy. That's who he is. He's moving us towards hope and faith and courage. And the language that David gives us is we can rejoice today. We can give thanks right where we are right now. We can find ways to praise God for who he is and what he's done. And this language becomes a practice on how we talk to God. We say, God, thank you for this. I remember when you did this, and I am so filled with joy when I think about this that I want to rejoice and praise your name. That's the language when we think about praying, when we're like, I don't know how to pray or what words to say, right? It's not a magic formula. It's not who can pray the longest or the most holy prayers. It's an opening in our heart for God to be at work, giving us a language to know him better and connect with him. Thomas Goodwin was a Puritan theologian, and he wrote a work called The Glory of the Gospel, and he gave us this really cool analogy I want to share with you. He says, imagine a dark room in the middle of the day. It is um, super bright and sunny outside, but in the room there are thick curtains covering the windows. And so the brightness is outside, the darkness is in the room. But in these thick curtains covering the windows is one little tear. And through that tear, one beam of light comes in the room. It says if you look through the crack, even as tiny as it is, you can still see the brightness of the sun shining through. The amount of light that gets through doesn't change the brightness of the light. It's shining. It's glorious, even when the room is dark. He says that's the glory of the gospel. Any light that comes through is the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. 
I think it's such a beautiful analogy, because think about it. No matter how dark the world might seem, the light of Jesus Christ can shine through. And the light of Jesus Christ can change everything. And what does that light need? It doesn't need all the curtains thrown open. It begins with just a tear in the fabric, a little bit of space for the light to shine through. There's never a time so dark or a life so hopeless that the light of Christ can't shine there. And you know, prayer is this incredible place where the light of Jesus Christ begins to shine in our hearts and shine in our lives. When we have this relationship where we just begin talking to God, the light of Christ can shine in. And where the light of Christ is shining, we get new hope and new focus. We remember the good. Our perspectives are changed. I invite you this week, spend some time saying thank you to God. Let the light of Jesus Christ into your heart, into your mind. Remember God's good deeds. Tell somebody the incredible things that you've seen God do and find a moment to move towards joy and see who God is. We have the week of prayer this week. We're going to be here every single night. We've been doing the week of prayer as a church for over 40 years. And what we've seen God accomplish in the week of prayer, when people just show up and start pleading with God, it is incredible the stories that we could tell. And all of our campuses are going to be meeting. At Old Brooklyn, we're going to be here Monday through Friday, every single night at 7 p.m. What would happen if we all just showed up and prayed together for each other, with each other, for our church, for our community, and we remembered our awesome God together? Wouldn't it be great to see God move powerfully when we come together and just spend some time with him? Dear Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would encourage our hearts and strengthen our minds and that the light of Christ would shine through in us. I pray, Father, though it might be a small little space, you would shine in the darkness and your glory and your goodness would overwhelm even the darkest of hearts. I pray that you would be at work in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, and in this community. And I thank you for this language you've given us to talk to you, to say thank you for what an incredibly good God you are, to remember the times that we've pleaded with you and you've shown up beyond what we could ask or imagine. We give uh, just praise and honor and glory to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.